Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 89 of Season 5 of Move Your Own Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is David Brooke of Blueprint Review. Welcome back to the show, David. Hello, yeah, it's good to be back. Got more, two more minutes left. Let's do this. Two more minutes left this week. You know, I, I still have a few more weeks yeah. to go. <laughs> For me. <laughs> I, I still have another 30, 34 episodes after this one. So after yeah. this week. So, you know, we're, we're not done yet. Films, yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're not, we're not done. Hey, come on. It's not as long as uh, The Great Escape. That one, I, I, <laughs> I have a feeling that I will not be surpassing that one in the near future, at least. <laughs> if Probably never. <laughs> I think I think 172 will, will remain, you know, my my record. <laughs> so you know, when when I have a movie like this one, that's 124 minutes, uh, right? 124 minutes is not not as bad. No, so, not that that was bad. Not that the 172 was bad. You know, it was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, so minute 89 begins with John realizing that he has made a mistake, and then ends with Grant getting ready to shoot so yesterday we ended things with with uh grant uh, getting carmine hustled away to go steal off the street and then john turns to him and goes guess i was and it continues today he says guess i was wrong about you you're not such an ass after all and and i love grant's response he goes no you're right i'm just your kind of ass. do you have any idea what that means it's a great line, but I don't know what that really means. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess maybe maybe he's suggesting that uh, McLean's a bit of an asshole too and just has that same kind of tough... Yeah, I guess he's meaning it as more of a bit of a tough, no-nonsense kind of kind of thing. And I think he's just trying to say that he's on the same page. I guess yeah. that's, that's, how I, that's how I read it. Okay. All right, makes sense. We're, we're, we're very similar. You know, we, we get along better than you would think, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then then we get a shot of uh, all of Grant's men uh, moving forward. We can actually count nine of them, uh, you know, walking through or crouching through to get through the perimeter. And I mean, they give us some nice shots of it, but again, it you know it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the week. It looked like it looks like terrorists are about to try and take over the church, you know, even though they already have. But you know, the fact that they're they're all in ski masks. Uh, Balakavas, you know, and and then one of them sets off a tripwire. Now, it's very hard to tell because it happens so quickly. Do you, does it look like that happens on purpose? You know, is it is it like uh, his gun accidentally flips the tripwire, or is it a knife that looks like it's cutting the tripwire? Um, it. I don't think it's a knife. It looks like it's. Oh. It does have a, a, a quite an almost deliberate movement. Where, where you see where they're standing, it seems like an odd place. Wherever they're standing, it all seems like an odd place to put a tripwire, <laughs> to be honest. That's correct. Like they're all stood by that fence. It seems a really weird place to put the tripwire. Yes. But, um, yeah. But it really looks as if, you know, it, it, okay, first of all, if you do it in slow motion, you can tell that it is his gun that's doing it, but he, he basically lifts up his gun. And as he's lifting up the gun, he, he sets off the tripwire. So again, I mean, yeah. you you think that these guys are a little more professional in what they're doing, that they should be looking for these type of tripwires, and 
you know, you need to have a, a little better um, discipline with with your gun, besides letting it just swing up that way that you're gonna, mm. you know, set off this uh, type of tripwire. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Do, do you know what a tripwire is? Like the official term of a tripwire? Official term? Oh, I just thought they were, were always called tripwire, but no, I don't know. So it, it is a passive triggering mechanism, typically a wire or a cord that is attached to a device for detecting or reacting to physical movements. In the military, these are things that are connected to uh, generally mines, either fragmentation mines, uh, sometimes uh, it could be with grenades and stuff like that, sometimes different types of booby traps. You know, that if you tug on the wire, you release the tension on it, so it will trigger the, the explosives. Usually, you're supposed to uh, check beforehand about this. They, they say that there are places where soldiers will use silly string in order to, they will spray silly string in certain areas to try and see if there are tripwires and stuff like that. Because <laughs> if it lands on the ground, then it won't uh, yeah, set off any of those. I, I never would have thought of doing something like that. That's it's pretty ingenious yeah. if you think about it. Mm, it's clever. I guess it's like uh, it's the equivalent of in the movies when they've got those kind of laser what grids. They use like they always use like I don't know hairspray or something. Don't they? It's kind of the equivalent of doing that, but uh, but more right. That's right. Where they where they spray the hairspray and then you see the the red lines and stuff yeah, like see the that. red. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those are in heist movies usually. Yeah. Yeah. The the idea was actually thought of only three years after this movie came out uh, by a sergeant who was the chief instructor of the U.S. Army Sapper course named David Chandler. And he thought about the, the idea of using Silly String, and they started using it later on in, uh, in Iraq for the same purpose. Wow. I love the idea of uh, soldiers in Iraq running around with Silly String in their pockets. <laughs> That's right. Hey, why not? If it, if it, if it does the job, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know if you really can complain about that. You know, would they have army issue like like cool looking silly string, or they just buy some of the kind of joke shop stuff? That's the question. Right. <laughs> That's right. Now, tripwires also have emergency uh, has have industrial applications. You know that that, that uh, you know sometimes the the type of tripwire could be used on a conveyor belt, which will enable the workers to stop the equipment quickly. Mm. You know, it can also be known as an emergency stop pull cords. Maybe you have them on on, uh, on trains and stuff like that, where, or buses where you pull the cord and stuff like that. But the idea that that's also still called a tripwire is is very interesting. I, what I found out here is even stranger that, that uh, you know, a tripwire is also the use of a small force deployment, meaning that you send a small group in beforehand to, to check things out before you send in, you know, the full uh, brunt of your uh, of your unit and stuff like that. Which I, I just found really interesting, the idea. It's also known yeah, as a glass good. plate. It's a strategic approach in deterrence theory. The tripwire force is a military force smaller than that of potential adv uh, adversary which is designed to signal the defending side's commitment to an armed response to further aggression without triggering a security spiral. I, I guess that means that basically you send in a small group to see if they're going to fight, if they're going to start shooting at them. And if they shoot at them, they're like, oh, okay. So I guess these people really do want to have a fight. <laughs> That's the way it sounds. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, 
you know, this this movie, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna see it over the next uh, see it mostly next week also. But that there there is a lot of use of a whole bunch of different uh, tripwires and and light flashing lights and stuff like that to make it seem as if things are are a little bit more uh, you know more important than they really are about what's going on. Uh, I think it, it I guess just yeah, to, again, to make us believe that there's more going on than there really is. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I think um, you might have you've probably already talked about this in in a much earlier episode, but I think it's speaking of making things look flashier and things there, the supposedly the um air traffic control room when they went to look at a real air traffic control room, it was too boring. So they just totally made up their own one, which is nothing like an actual one. It makes sense. To make it look cooler. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then after he sets off the tripwire, we were shown a little uh, uh, box, which is just very funny the way that the box is. You know, it says, uh, you know, uh, track to follow. And then you have a thing that says quadrant, and then you have four different lights. One, two, three, and four. And then there's like a keypad mm -hmm. with a red and blue uh, button, which you'd think would be a green one, but okay. And then we, we, we see like a flashing light happen in quadrant two. So I, I guess that side of the building is quadrant two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just uh, very, very interesting the way that that, that that happens. You know, and then we get a passing shot of everyone, uh, you know, the of the bad guys that are left are, are planning something. They're getting ready. We have Stuart scream out, Garber, sit report, you know, situation report. And, you know, because they, they hear the fact that, that the tripwire has gone off. And then Garber, who's up in the bell tower, looks over and says, Army Special Forces on three sides, closing in fast around the back. So, first of all, how does he know these are Army Special Forces? Because of their masks? No, like, how do you know yeah, it's the it's Army all, Special yeah. Forces as opposed to it's the SWAT team or it's the FBI or you know, it could have been. We talked a few weeks ago about all the different possibilities of who deals with hostage situations or these types of situations. And, you know, it's just very strange that that he would automatically say Army Special Forces unless maybe Garber knows that this is what we're dealing with. This is part of the plan. Well, you thought they would. They, well, they definitely know it's part of the plan because they changed the bullets. So I don't, wouldn't they all know that it's part of the plan? I, that's why it doesn't quite make sense. Wouldn't they be? Wouldn't they just say, "Oh, I <laughs> let's go," unless they're worried that um, some of the people not in on it are um, around? I don't know. Well, uh, we we know that Tumford is not in on the plan, and therefore that that yeah, that's, that's why true. you know. So I but he's the only guy who doesn't use a doesn't use a gun, so he doesn't need to to deal with switching his uh, quips. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, maybe. And then we, we get uh, John Guziano running across in the background, running back and forth. And then I, I, I love this line from Esperanza. Esperanza turns to him and goes, another problem, Colonel? Meaning, <laughs> another thing you didn't plan for? And he goes, no problem, General. And then he looks around and goes, gentlemen, you know what to do. And then we see them, them all, you know, uh, switch out the red clips for the blue clips. Yeah. So we see a shot of, of Miller and Burke. They're both getting ready. We see Kana, who's also getting ready. You know, it's, it's, it's just very weird and strange the way that they do this whole thing. But, uh, you know, you know what to do. And, uh, gentlemen, we have a situation. You know, they're, they're like code phrases to say, okay, this is what I'm going to say to switch to 
you know, the, the, the blue ones instead of the red ones. Why doesn't he just say, switch to the blue, am- blue ammo? <laughs> I mean, I know why he doesn't do that, because that would sort of uh, negate the surprise in the movie if you were to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Although it's still, clear, it's still very clear that they're changing the ammo and they make it very clear. But yeah, I know you mean, yeah. Yeah. It just sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, of course. And and also the fact that Garber says that they're closing in on three sides, we saw them all on one side before. So how did they get to the other two sides already? You know, they must have oh, yeah, fanned out true. in some way. Yeah, it's not a huge building, I guess. It wouldn't take long to uh, spin around. Right. But yeah. So again, this 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 goes back to the idea of what we talked about earlier in the week, that Esperanza does not know the full plan. Hmm. You know, and it seems and, weird. Yes. Well, it seems weird on the one hand, but on the other hand, okay, Stuart's keeping it to himself. You know, we we had it yeah. in the first movie also. Hans didn't tell everybody what's going on. No. Well, you'd guess. Yeah, I don't know. Of anyone they could tell, you'd have thought he would tell him because it's 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 all in, it's all to save his life and get him out of there, sort of thing, to do the job. But um, yeah, it is odd. But when would he have told him? When would he have had time to tell him? When they're they're driving, well, they've just been when they're been driving sat around tending to his wounds and things. I don't know. <laughs> they've been in the church a while. No, but maybe he likes the fact that he can surprise Esperanza that there's more to what's going on here than meets the eye. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I guess it makes him look yeah more uh, yeah slicker. So true. No, it's um, it's 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 you know maybe maybe Esperanza will give them more money for what they're doing if. Uh, you know, if he doesn't see how uh, complex everything is at the beginning. Mm. And then now that he does, hmm, you guys deserve an extra 200K. Here you go. Yeah. He might, might, he might hire them back wherever, wherever he gets to as, uh, as his fellow, his kind of in-house mercenaries. Right. That's true. That's true. And then we get a shot of Burke. Uh, running towards like the window, and there's there's uh, uh, like underneath the windowsill, there's I guess uh, some sort of desk or something like that, and he just like smashes everything off that's there and throws it onto the floor, and then as he's doing that, he, <laughs> he then starts to break the glass, hmm. and then just shoots out into the crowd, not not really aiming or anything like that, and then John and Barnes both uh, jump for cover. You know, to try and make sure that, that uh, you know, they don't get hit by any stray bullets or anything like that. Hmm. And, you know, it, it's actually funny the way that they, I mean, if you, did you see how John, like, looks as he's jumping down? You know, it just looks very, very oh. funny the way that he does it. You know, so. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Seemed a bit overly. No, and also everyone else, everyone else, quite everyone else crouches down, and John jumps to the to the right. Yeah, yeah, that type of thing. Now, did you notice? I, I didn't mention this before. When Khan puts in his uh, clip, he, you see him like spin it around in his hand, which was a very cool move by him. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is an actor named Tom Verico. We talked about him a little earlier this this uh, this season. I actually just watched uh, one of my favorite miniseries, if not my favorite miniseries, uh, from the Earth to the Moon, which he plays a prominent role in it. He plays, uh, you know, Dick Gordon, who's in a number of number of the episodes. He was one of the, you know, one of the astronauts. 
So I, I just love seeing him in this movie because of that. You know, just, even though he has almost nothing to say and nothing to do, but you know, and here in this scene, he takes it and just spins around. Uh, you know, spins the clip in his hand, which which you wouldn't normally do. Um, and then uh, we see Garber up in the, the bell tower breaking the windows and start shooting out. Uh, you know, from from the the windows in the bell tower, which once again is further proof that this probably was not shot in the actual church yeah. that we talked about earlier this week. That that, that would be my uh, guess. I, I don't know. You know, I guess if you look out the window as well, it's it's suspiciously plain and <laughs> yeah. Well, it's well because lit. of the massive yeah. fake snowstorm going on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, true. You got to watch out for this. <laughs> and uh, you know, then then. Uh, we see Khan setting all these different charges in, in the church and a lot of little like flashing lights on all the things, you know, like flips on the switch and you have yeah, the, the two red, you know, actually, you know, this reminds me of, um, this is, must be a Rennie Harlan thing because, um, assuming you've seen, uh, cliffhanger, right? Yes. So it's a similar type of thing with what, you know, they, what, what Gabe uses there when, when, you know, when, when they uh, try to hide, you know, one of the the stacks of money, you know, with these different uh, rabbits. Oh yeah. So it has a similar <laughs> thing with these two red blinking lights. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I, although it's this the kind of well, not always with the two, but I was going to say, um, every ninety eighties nineties action movie has to have some kind of uh, light flashing time bomb sort of thing correct. going on. Of course, I mean that that's a requirement for the genre. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have it any other way, but I just think it's really yeah. funny that it looks very similar to what you have in yeah, Cliffhanger similar, yeah, yeah. that, you know, Rennie Harlan yeah, will go make just uh, three years from now, you know, and then we, we, we get all this shooting back and forth. Now, did you notice how many windows they break here? It's, it, it oh, actually is really funny two? because they, they, we see them break five windows. Okay. Oh, yeah. But how many people, how many men do they still have left? Okay. John, John <laughs> has killed eight. Yeah. Okay. Baker was number eight. <laughs> so that means that there are four left plus Esperanza. So there's five guys. Esperanza <laughs> and Stewart are not shooting. So you have three guys that are shooting. No. Okay. You, you are actually, <laughs> so something's, something's wrong here. <laughs> well, they're just running around shooting multiple windows very quickly moving yes. between them. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's two at once there. Though. Oh no, they're all yeah. Although the way it cuts it is though there's yeah there's a bit where you see four broken wind different broken windows all in the space of a second. That's right. And that that's the funny thing because <laughs> it really does look like. And again, <laughs> you know, we we have Khan is not doing this. So you know, you have two people. That that break the same uh, two windows, one next to the other, which I I have a feeling that that's like right above where uh, Baker is dead. You know, Baker's dead body is on the ground there. Don't you yeah. think they'd be concerned of where Baker is? <laughs> well, I guess they used to cannonball. They used to uh, casualties, especially by now in the film. Seriously. You know, and then there's a lot of shooting back and forth between the two sides, and then we get another shot of Miller who's breaking another window. So now we have we're up to six windows that are broken, and we we can see off to to his right side. We see you know the the 
the system that we talked about earlier, which showed that the tripwire on, you know, in quadrant two went off, that type of thing. Mm. You know, and they're, they're just, they basically seem as if they're shooting wildly in, in every direction. And we, we get Miller doing that also. Miller stands in front of the window and is shooting all around. Although I guess that is the point. I guess this, it's all part of the, it. Does fit into the twist that they're not they're not killing each other. They're just, they're just doing it for show for McLean and the cops, whoever else is. Yeah, there. but to stand there and know that he, you know, take the risk that someone didn't switch their their clip to to something else, or maybe John's going to be shooting. <laughs> oh well, maybe that's why they're shooting wildly and not aiming. <laughs> uh, could be. Could be. And then, uh, I mean, Miller, Miller is very intense with what he's doing there. No question about that. And then we see Grant, uh, you know, show up right near John, not too far away from him. And we see him pull out his pistol, and he's getting ready to shoot oh, yeah. as the minute ends. Does his pistol have real bullets? Uh, well, we, we, we didn't see him put in a blue clip. So I don't know. No, he didn't have his little colored things. Right. <laughs> don't know. Well, on a pistol, it wouldn't be effective unless you put it on on the bottom. You know, on the bottom part that, that of the clip when you're putting yeah, it yeah, in, yeah. that that would make <laughs> a little more sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. So you have anything else for this minute before we get into the script, Dave? No, I think we covered the things I was talking about. Okay. All right. So the the script continues from yesterday about uh, McLean saying that he was wrong. And then Grant uh, says, lightning John up. He says, no, you're right. I'm just your kind of And this is McLean and Barnes watch as the soldiers start to close the net. A soldier moves forward on the lawn into into a prone firing position, and then his gun muzzle hits a tripwire in the snow. Stewart's men react to the the alarm, instantly going to their assigned jobs. Some grab weapons. Others smash the equipment. Esperanza bandage throws a coat on and grabs a pistol. McLean screams, oh, shit. Everyone dives for cover as the stained glass window is broken and a rifle pokes out. Gunfire lights up the street, reflects on the snow. Then Stuart says, gentlemen, you know what to do. And then it says, looks all around, all change their ammo clips, putting ones with blue adhesive tape on their weapons. And then they retreat from the front windows. We pan them out. We, we pan them out the rear and to the fence behind the church which they smash through. So according to the script, they just run away. They don't even start really shooting. So I I, I like the fact that they they have this pretend firefight going on. You know, it tries to help make things feel more plausible. That's what I would think. Yeah. So, yeah. So every Thursday we have a segment called Aviation Thursday, where my guests will give their top five movies that deal with uh, aviation, whether it's a plane, whether it's a uh spacecraft or possibly being in an airport or something like that so david what have you got for us start with your number five and work your way up okay cool there are a lot to pick from here and my number five i've gone a bit there are probably films that are a little better than this but i i feel it's underrated so i wanted to stick it in the list and that's passenger 57 uh it's uh it's like, don't worry, don't worry. Jeanette put it on her list. Nice. It's there. just a solid, decent kind of '90s action movie. Wesley Snipes is always uh, is always good fun to watch, uh, and I just really enjoy it. I think it's it's underrated. Uh, number four is Con Air, which has been well covered on covered on another podcast. 
and which many not anymore they're they're oh, done they're well. yeah, true, but, they, you know, it's, it's, but the podcast jay, is still there. jay and jay and mark that's right they're the the conair pod is still out there uh they've, they've been done for i guess about three months now yeah so yeah and I, you know it was it was a great run listening to 40 chapters of of conair you can go and find that on conair pod yeah and i i, and I great job Great job, guys. Yeah, and I guessed it on that and kind of showing my love for that film. I, I enjoy that film. Great, great deal. Um, it's stupid, but it's fun. And then number three, I've gone back to an old classic and Flight of the Phoenix, the 1965 version. Uh, the remake's okay, but uh, it's not a patch on the original. It's uh, it's it's just a great, great film, really. A great kind of character movie, really strong characters. Uh, really gripping story and it's it's just fantastic it's a, a great great film um number two i've gone with united 93 which is just oh. an incredibly tense watch um very powerful film incredibly gripping i it just uh it's one of those films that um I, I, it's one of these it got a lot of acclaim when it came out but it took me a while to get around to watching it um and when i finally did it it was just it really blew me away i thought it was absolutely fantastic uh, but there's one film I, I actually saw I actually saw it on opening day. Wow. It was a movie that I anticipated for such a long time. And and uh to to through today it is still one of my all time favorite movies. It's so good. Um I've seen it more times than most people have, <laughs> than most sane people would watch it because because it's so amazing in my eyes. Yeah. Um I think I've seen it like eight or nine times. Well, I've still, only, I've, still, know, I've still only uh, seen it once, but it had such an impact. It, it is an absolutely fantastic film. Um, but there's one, uh, there's one airplane movie to rule them all uh, for me, and that is Airplane. <laughs> I just adore Airplane. It's so <laughs> funny. It's it's one of my favourite comedies. Uh, endlessly quotable and just insanely enjoyable. And as as fantastic as United ninety three is. Um, airplane just it'll have a special place in my heart so i had to had to take the number one spot okay that's that's fair you're, you're you are allowed to do that i will allow you to do that <laughs> <laughs> so david you want to once again tell people uh where they can find david brook yeah i write all my reviews over at blueprintreview.co.uk and you can find me on facebook twitter and all that kind of jazz all right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a movie a minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or you can find me on my website, moverabminute.com. So David, you feel like coming back again tomorrow to finish off the week? Absolutely. All right. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, Quaint little villages in